You're tuned to The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. The increase in statewide fentanyl-related overdoses and arrests this year has prompted several agencies and community organizations to step up efforts to curb the illicit use of the opioid. It's been six months since Kimo Alameda stepped up to be the lead of the Hawaii Island Fentanyl Task Force. He serves as vice president of Hawaii Island Community Health Center. How bad is the problem? He believes it's worse than you think. On our island, it's being laced in illegal drugs, street pills, and one person every 11 days are dying on our island because of this. And so we have to get this task force up and running. And and what we believe is that nobody goes from chocolate candy to fentanyl. So it's usually a gateway situation, right? So the same gateway drugs that were, you know, kind of uh, preached to us when we were growing up is the same gateway drugs. So alcohol, marijuana, tobacco, vaping, you know, this can lead to greater drugs. And it's in these greater drugs like ice, like meth and, you know, cocaine and, and heroin that fentanyl, you know, can be laced. And so the one person every 11 days are not just dying from street pills, but they're dying from illegal drugs that they are already addicted to. And you've been making the rounds in the schools. Yeah. So, you know, I started with the high school and then the principals and teachers were like, hey, my middle school kids should hear this. And then I present to the middle school and then they're like, hey, you know, my fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh graders should hear this. So, you know, what I'm learning is that these kids, I mean, they start vaping at third grade and that the nicotine in a vaping pen is is like almost it's over 40 cigarettes. So it's very powerful and addictions can start much earlier now. So I'm out in the schools. I'm talking about fentanyl, but I move quickly into these gateway drugs and I talk about the addiction cycle. You know, I, I tell a kid, hey, you know, how do you know you're stuck is when you go from I like it to I want it to I need it. And when you're in I need it, you're stuck. And the kids know, you know, they know that the biggest dream killer is addictions. And the sad truth is every time, every school, it doesn't matter, private school, public school, you know, charter school, I ask. I say, how many people you know in your family or extended family that are in I need it, that are in the, the addiction phase of a drug? And my goodness, 70 to 80 percent of the kids raise their hand. And so the sad reality is that we do have a substance abuse problem in Hawaii and in our nation. I understand that just recently, I think Hawaii Island got their supply of Narcan. Well, I've been providing training on how to reverse this overdose. So, you know, I gave the statistic one person every 11 days is dying. Well, on our island, three people every 11 days is being saved because of this wonder drug, this what we call Narcan. And because of that and because of our epidemic here on the island, you know, I've requested to the Department of Health, Adult so Drug Alcohol Division, to see if we could get, you know, Narcan kind of shipped to our island. So I was very fortunate to have over 4,000 boxes of Narcan shipped about three weeks ago. And so we're going to be distributing out, you know, to the public via drive-throughs or walk-throughs. We just did last week, Saturday, we went to the corner side of the island, west side, and at Corner Common Shopping Center, we gave out about 200 boxes. This Saturday at the Civic Grounds, where the county fair is at, we're going to do a drive-through, and we're going to give out as much boxes as people want. So we're advertising it. Anybody who is at risk of an overdose or live with somebody at risk, or maybe any household with pain medication, you know, you should have a box of Narcan. Because when somebody passes out and you call 911 and they don't get up, administering Narcan, it doesn't hurt. So you might as well try it. And, and what we're finding, our paramedics are saying, for every 10 calls that they get, you know, for somebody's unresponsive, they give Narcan to all 10. And out of the 10, three of them will get up. So that device literally saves a life. So what's been your experience lately? I mean, I don't know how many deaths that we're seeing there in Hawaii County. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, you know, one person every 11 days. So today is the 29th. By December 10th, there'll be another death. And I actually think it's more because the data, we don't get it until after the medical examiner gives us a report. And so, but what we're hearing anecdotally from our paramedics is, you know, they just got back from another another home, you know, with a person in a body bag and the family's telling us that it's from fentanyl. So we think it's even worse than one person every 11 days. Here's the deal with an overdose. Okay, so you, you, your heart goes from, I don't know, 60 beats a minute to 50 beats to 40 to 30. So if you're in an overdose situation, you don't know you're dying. That's why it's very difficult to give Narcan to yourself because you just think you're sleeping. And, and what happens is you, your heartbeat just goes to zero beats a minute. And then after that, you're dead. So basically, that's why Narcan needs to be in the hands of people that surround you. So if somebody who gives themselves Narcan 
they might have been given it right after they, they accidentally took something or might have engaged in a fentanyl powder or, or a pill. But most cases, people who are dying from fentanyl because of an overdose, they don't know they're dying. They just think they're sleeping. And what's going to happen is they ain't going to get up, like Michael Jackson, like Prince. I mean, they all died from a fentanyl overdose. I think it was there on the Big Island where we had our first teen, our young person, die of fentanyl. I think it was about a year ago. That's right. That's right. You know, and so what I'm telling these kids is say, hey, you go to a party, right? And if you see a substance that looks like cocaine, and I show them a picture, I say, you see a razor blade and some powder. That's a bad party. Call your parents. Tell them to come pick you up, right? If you go to a party, you see a baggie with pills inside. There's a 40% chance that there's fentanyl in those pills, and, and that can kill you. So if you go out to these parties or you're at a neighbor's house, because parents, we can't be around our kids 24-7. So the best thing we can do is give them knowledge, let them know what it looks like. They might be waiting at a friend's house you know, for us to pick them up. Their friend's uncle or cousin might be engaging in an illegal you know, substance abuse situation there. So they need to be aware. So what we're doing is I, I gave over 100 presentations already. And for every presentation I give in a day, I do a Zoom at night for the parents so they get the same presentation so that the kids can at least have a conversation, parents can have a conversation with their kids on these dangerous drugs. And here's the deal, fentanyl can be laced in almost any drug, and that's the problem. And so that's why now we have to educate kids and families on all these drugs. Are you seeing more cases on one side of the island over another? Actually, it's equally dispersed, you know, and, and how we know that is because we get data on, on how much Narcan has been distributed from our paramedics. And so over the last six months, 134, calls were made, Narcan was given 134 times, and out of those those times, there were 40 positive results. In other words, 40 people were saved because of that administration. I know it feels like it's all doom and gloom, but it's not. You know, we got a fentanyl task force of over 50 collaborative partners, even partners from Oahu, and now we're engaging with the DEA in Los Angeles. I mean, they like what we're doing. We're one of the first counties to actually have a task force. We're gonna have a website soon. I'm out there doing these presentations. I have a partner on the, on the west side that's also doing presentations. We're training everybody up on how to administer Narcan. We're giving out free Narcan. So what I'm hearing from the states and also from the feds in Los Angeles is that we're really addressing the problem head on. And in fact, we might be a model for the nation. Before the holidays, we want people to know that, you know, that's a time of celebration for most, but also a time of sadness for many. And, you know, during times of sadness, you know, people tend to resort to alcohol, drugs. And so this is when we need to take extra, you know, precaution, you know, make sure we're making contact with those people that we love, that we think they might be feeling down or depressed, and just let them know that, you know, that we love them and that we're here for them. And if they need anybody to talk to, that we're always willing to to give them a listening ear. And why are you so passionate about this? Well, you know, I mean, I grew up in a family an extended family of addictions and I've seen it hurt families and I've seen it hurt my own family as a, as a kid growing up and it's to the point where now these overdoses are, are really coming close to home I had a nephew who had an overdose situation luckily he survived and I just don't want this to happen to any family and so I'm doing it 24 hours a day I don't count hours when I'm at work I just you know if there's a presentation a group or somebody wants to hear how dangerous these drugs are I'm there to, to share the news Kimo Alameda, thank you so much for your time and thank you for what you do. You bet. Thank you for the interview. Appreciate it. That was Kimo Alameda, head of the Hawaii Island Fentanyl Task Force. It has been less than a month since one mom learned from police that fentanyl is suspected in her daughter's death. The family is still planning her daughter G's funeral, but this Big Island mother is resolved to warn other families about the dangers facing our teenagers. Kim asked that we not use her last name, but she's determined to help others to prevent another tragedy. Fentanyl is a symptom. It is a symptom of a mental health crisis not just in our community, but all over the United States. And these kids, many of them are suffering from depression, 
anxiety. And I think there's a variety of sources of these things. One is the internet. This all the time access to everything that isn't getting filtered. And we may think as parents that we're filtering, we're not. My daughter, who was a straight A student, she was getting a B in the algebra at the time and she was very upset about it, but she was not your typical what you would expect. She did suffer from anxiety and some depression, but you know, she had plans for tomorrow. She came in to see me the night she died. We played cards as usual. We had a little chat. There were no red flags that night. Now we were dealing with anxiety with her and there is a lack of mental health care, not only for our youth, but for all. So, you know, this was a symptom of an underlying issue and it's really serious, this anxiety is. And so the two issues, but the two things that I think that are really important about it are one is the internet. The other is that COVID sent this generation for a loop. They spent a lot of time in their rooms. The only people they were talking to were online. And a lot of online people aren't people. There's a lot going on there that we don't know about. And this drug that that she got a hold of was delivered to my house in the mail. It was sent by a drug dealer who was looking for kids on Instagram. They pose, they look for these kids. This is not a passive thing happening here. It's very insidious. And another thing about the whole fentanyl thing is that we don't understand is this was not, she didn't get into mom's Percocet. She bought something that wasn't something sold by drug companies. And there's a whole other issue of the opioid crisis and all of that. And that aside, this is not a real, it's not a medication. These people are mixing stuff up and making it look like a medication. So, you know, it's just, it's hidden and it's, it's so multi-pronged. They're getting hit with it all the time and they're victims. They're being victimized by drug dealers and it's easy to get this stuff is, is what I'm learning. It's really easy to get it. And for me, I think the most important part is for us to be talking about it. I'm working with an organization in California called Z Cares, and it was started by a family who lost their son a few years ago. And it's all about the conversation. We need to be talking about this stuff and no one wants to talk about it. We've got to shed light on mental health issues. We've got to get out there and educate. People need to know what's going on and these kids need to feel that they can talk about it. There's such a stigma around mental health, but I really believe that underlying the fentanyl crisis is a mental health crisis. So you are going to be taking this banner up because because of fentanyl, sadly. I mean, because something got into your house and took your daughter away. Yes, my daughter was poisoned by fentanyl. Fentanyl is a symptom of a much deeper, much more insidious and present danger. Talk to your kids. We've got to talk to the kids about it. I just, the conversation is so important. I want that to happen. I want those conversations to happen. And I want to be a part of making those conversations happen because it's the only way that we're going to save lives. We've got to shed light on it. We can't turn our backs on it. We can't pretend it's not happening. Putting your head in the sand does not work. We've got to tackle it straight ahead. And it's an uncomfortable topic. And no one wants to talk about it. Well, you reached out to the Fentanyl Task Force because you just can't be quiet about this. My 14-year-old daughter is dead two weeks before her 15th birthday. I mean, fentanyl, whatever it is, we gotta, we got to talk about it. I don't want other families to go through this. And apparently, I'm, you know, I'm not very good with statistics, but is the rate one child, one person dying from fentanyl every 11 days. My God. So since my daughter died, two more children have died, maybe three. 
that's not acceptable to me. I want to bring our community together and fight this together. And I think that the Sentinel Task Force and the work that they're doing at Zcares, which is providing content, they provide content for conversation. And that's what's important right now. We need to talk to the kids. We need to talk to the educators. They need to know what's going on. They need to know what the signs are. Anyone working with, with youth, whether they're therapists, counselors, teachers, pediatricians, we've got to all get on the same page about this. And, you know, I really want to pull together the resources that will work best to serve our community around this, around mental health. And yes, mental but around the mental health of our youth. What could possibly be more important than the mental health of the next generation. That was Kim, a Big Island mom who lost her 14-year-old daughter just this past month. Police suspect it was a case of fentanyl lace pills that was mailed to her home. She died just two weeks before her 15th birthday. The family has connected with a mainland group called Z Cares to increase mental health services for our children in our schools. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from Magnolia Boutique and Gallery, open daily in Kahala Mall, announcing an evening with Honolulu-based photographer and artist Trevor Isabel, 5 to 7 p.m. Friday, December 16th. Prints available. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hello, I'm John Crowley, co-founder of CoolPetaluma.org. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about building social capital in neighborhoods block by block. Beginning Sunday morning at 11. Support for The Conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Ulupono Initiative. It was a year ago last month that another 14-year-old girl on the Big Island died after exposure to fentanyl. This morning we hear from Gary Yabuta. He's the executive director of the HIDTA, which stands for the High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area. It's an office opened in 1999 to deal with our methamphetamine problem. It was thanks to a federal grant obtained by our current city prosecutor, Steve Alm, and the late Senator Dan Inouye. Here's a rebroadcast of our interview with Yabuto, who says our communities need to know about this new growing threat. That's a, that's a real tragedy, but it's common, unfortunately. It's common in mainland America. And, and the reason why it's so common and it's so alarming is that you have a 14-year-old child who was able to get fentanyl so easily. And that's the scary part, is just that children could get on the internet social media sites, darknet sites, uh, while their parents are out of their bedrooms and they can get on their computers, laptops, uh, iPads or whatever, and they can look up these sources and these sources are telling them, yeah, do it, do it, do it, it's fun, it's fun. They glamorize drugs like fentanyl. And children are ordering it online and it's coming to their homes, uh, you know, via UPS, FedEx, or U.S. Postal Services, just like Amazon ships products from the mainland to Hawaii. And they go right to the doorsteps. 
And also there's drug traffickers out there in the neighborhoods, and that's been going on for generations. And so what did you think when you heard about this particular case? Because I understand that uh, she actually even posted something on TikTok. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the sites where allegedly this uh, unfortunate child uh, picked up the information necessary to get that drugs to her house and in her in her body. And and so she actually posted something though about that, right? I think so. I didn't see the post, and quite frankly, I I don't want to. I just want to realize that you know this is just one of many through the nation and. You know, we got to stop this. Uh, we got to stop this. We can nip this right now through education and information. And so, what do you want to tell our listeners? Since this first case of this teen uh, there on the Big Island, you know, we've had other young people fall a victim to this drug. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's trending. It's all made by the Mexican cartels, and they are glamorizing fentanyl by making it into a appealing product. It's counterfeit fentanyl pills that are colored now, candy color, and so they're directing their their product towards our young generation. And it's coming across the border, and then it's shipped to Hawaii again, uh, air passenger carrier or parcel delivery systems. That's how it gets here. So we have to stop this. I mean, uh, and, you know, uh, we can. We can. We can say no. What's happening in the mainland, we can turn it around and reverse it. But we've been following this for the last five years, and it's here. It's crossed our Hawaiian shores. Absolutely. There's been this concerted effort uh, by law enforcement to get the word out, to train our first responders, what to look for, uh, and to just raise the awareness of, of families across the state. Right. You know, the, uh, fentanyl is a very dangerous, dangerous substance. And there's a lot of myths about how dangerous it is. And there's been a lot of order, overreactions, you know, uh, law enforcement suiting up in literally spacesuits to deal with uh, a fentanyl recovery at a crime scene. And there's been some information that a few officers, law enforcement officers in the mainland have actually been influenced by fentanyl exposure. And it's debatable. However, there's no concrete evidence on how dangerous fentanyl exposure is. So we have to be cautious, but we can't be overcautious. You know, we had that anthrax uh, experience after 9-11, and now we have fentanyl, and we have to get more information from our scientists on how dangerous it is. Is there long-term effects or so forth? So I'm on the belief that we have to side on the error of caution and we have to be very, very cautious. But again, we can't be paranoid. This week we had a court hearing for someone who supplied, uh, supposedly supplied drugs to someone who died of an overdose. Right. You know, and and we're seeing now more of these cases where you're tracking it back. Yeah, and this isn't nothing uh, exceptionally new. In the 1980s, a promising basketball player by the name of Lynn Bias right before he was going to go to the Boston Celtics as the first one draft, draft pick, died from an overdose. It wasn't fentanyl. I believe it was cocaine. And uh, they came out, lawmakers came out with the Lynn Bias Law to uh, increase penalties for suppliers that sell drugs that caused an overdose death. So our biggest tool right now is the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, U.S. Attorney Claire Connors, who's doing an absolutely fantastic job. She's aggressive, and she's making sure that these fentanyl cases go federally, and that's our biggest impact. Can you share anything else about maybe the most recent cases or just the numbers that we're seeing? Yeah, I can tell you in the last two weeks we had uh, two overdose exposures, well, two overdose cases where the victims uh, survived and one of which is because a person very close in that uh, area of the victim had Narcan, was able to revive that particular victim. Unfortunately, we had one overdose death that we believe is fentanyl-related. And you're still waiting on verification on that? And that takes time. That takes a, a, you know, a, a TOPS report, a toxicology uh, conclusion. 
and they have to outsource the, the specimen to the mainland to a laboratory. Are we seeing this in one particular county? No, um, it's happening <laughs> statewide. And in fact, anecdotally, the Big Island is probably being impacted the most, and that's very rural. It's as rural as you can get. And so we have to be cognizant everywhere. And also, we have to be cognizant that there's people getting their old opioid prescription pills out of their medicine cabinets and are overdosing as well. So it's not just illicit fentanyl, it's also opioids, oxycodones that people are getting from old prescriptions from doctors, and that's happening too. Along with, because doctors are no longer prescribing opioids for pain uh, relief, now you have a whole population of people that need a replacement and they're going to the black market, and those are the counterfeit fentanyl pills. You know, it, it's just amazing the stories that you hear about uh, drugs, you know, trying to be smuggled in. I think there was something recently this week where uh, someone in a wheelchair tried to stuff drugs in the wheels, and, and the, the folks at the airport noticed that, you know, the wheels weren't turning, and, and then they discovered all these drugs, yeah. you know, inside the wheelchair. Right. Can you imagine what's coming through undetected? The cartels and drug traffickers are very, very clever. They know that. They get their product over across the border and into other areas throughout the nation, including Hawaii. They're going to make a huge profit. And that's the bottom line. It's all about profit. Anything else that you want to emphasize or underscore to our listeners? Yeah. And again, we can nip this. We can, we can overcome the fentanyl uh, epidemic that uh, is nationwide. And we have to do that through education. And we, in my opinion, uh, we, all have to, we all have to become role models. Right now, you're a role model. I'm a role model. You can't rely on parents because there's a lot of parents that were like my parents. They're uneducated. My parents were Japanese Americans. They were interned during camp. They came out with nothing. They were laborers. And so they couldn't tell me and my brother, don't do drugs. And we have a lot of parents like that, too. They're, hard-working people, but they don't have time to educate themselves about drugs like fentanyl and explain it to their children. So everybody has to step up to the plate. We've had teachers, and our teachers are our best role models, but everybody has to be. So where do we, where do we go for good information? You can always contact the Hawaii High Intensity Drug Traf Trafficking Area, Department of Health, their dashboard. There's a lot of great organizations out there. The Hawaii Health Harm Reduction Center, we're all ready to step up to the plate and provide whatever information. We'll go to the public, we'll go to the audience, neighborhood crime watches, whatever. Uh, our voices will be heard. And it's a multidisciplinary approach. It's not just law enforcement or, or drug prevention or drug treatment. It's a team now. A team effort if we are to push back on the fentanyl that is being smuggled into our state and endangering our communities. That was a rebroadcast of our interview with former Maui Police Chief Gary Yabuta that aired originally on November 17, 2022. Yabuta is now executive director of an office established in Honolulu because Hawaii is considered a high-intensity drug trafficked area. It's one of 33 hotspots across the country. For links to info about the dangers of fentanyl, check the conversation page on our website. The threat of fentanyl to communities across the country and here in Hawaii has never been so great. Last month, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, began training Hawaii's first responders as police, paramedics, sheriff, and firefighters learn about the dangers of this drug produced in Mexico by the world's largest drug cartels. Here's a rebroadcast of our interview with DEA Special Agent in Charge, Victor Vasquez, who talked about its recent drug take-back event as it steps up to educate the public about the risks involved with these illicit drugs. So the drug take back is twice a year. It's in April and October. We did have one last Saturday, October 29th, from 10 to 2. We collected 277 boxes, 3,600 pounds of unused old medications that you know citizens had in their houses that they got rid of it. Why are we involved in that? Because we want to get all that stuff that's unused, that maybe you are healed or you don't longer need that medication, get it out of the house because you don't know when 
kids are kids, so they, they might find it and they might not know what it is and take it and maybe look like candy. You know, I just saw something this past week. The Friends TV star, Matthew Perry, said he used to go into people's homes, open houses, and go look in their cabinets for drugs. I mean, it's really kind of scary when you think that someone's got their, their act together and they're addicted. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a way to get the drugs away from those people that are affected by addiction. It's a way to get clean out the house for medications. It's a way to get the word out to the community that one pill can kill. Now we're seeing the fentanyl coming in. I don't see it as prevalent here in the state of Hawaii that we see it in other states. That's because we're surrounded by the Pacific Ocean. So it, it offers some kind of protection. You know, it's not getting driven into the state. Right across the border, like right. it would be in California. Uh, in California, we're seeing fentanyl pills. We're seeing 400,000, 300,000 bags, seizures at a time. Now, you're going up to a million at a time from the L.A. Field Division, where one pill can kill you. Just imagine, you know, a million pills, and it's very dangerous. DEA has no correlation with these fentanyl pills being colored and associated to Halloween. It is a way to hide it from law enforcement. So you see that at the port of entry, oh, it's Skittles or blocks of Legos. But that's just a way for these criminals to hide it from detection at the port of entry or at the airport. You know, the criminals are are criminals that they're going to want their money. They're not going to hand out pills from their house to kids in Halloween because they're not and receive any money back. So we understand it's a way for them to hide from detection, law enforcement presence. Right, so the risk, parents don't have to worry so much about that. We do it every year, right? We go through our kids' candy, and and we kind of sort, hey, you can have this, not that, or check. Make sure it's sealed from from the manufacturer. Make sure it's safe, like we do every year. Always be cautious. You folks are also stepping up your visibility in the school. So, so talk about you know those kinds of efforts. Correct. We do a uh, Red Ribbon Week in October. Red Ribbon signifies uh, Say No to Drugs. It started back in 1985 with uh, President Reagan and Nancy Reagan. It's a way to get the word out to our kids in school, whether it's 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. Just did one this morning to one of our local high schools. We did two last uh, week. We're reaching out to other schools. If you're a school or a principal that wants DEA to come and spread the word in your school, reach out to us. We have staff. We have information for the teachers, for the students, to kind of make them aware of the dangers of drugs, specifically fentanyl. What is fentanyl, right? So it's a synthetic opioid. The pharmaceutical grade is prescribed to you by the doctor. The illicit is manufactured by the criminals, specifically the drug cartels based in Mexico. So it's through sourcing of the precursors from China into Mexico. These cartels are producing it massive amounts, whether colored or uncolored. They're pushing it up through the, mostly by the port of entry and southwest border. You're seeing large amounts of seizures, up to a million pills at a time, three, four hundred thousand at the port of entry. So that's That's what California or Arizona and the border states with Mexico are facing right now. But it is making its way to Hawaii. So it's DEA and and working with our local, state, and federal partners to identify. We're doing buy walks at the street level to identify the local criminals that are pushing this out, whether it's a nightclub or on the street, on the corner, or in the park. We're out there identifying these individuals in a way to find out who their source of supply is, right? Whether it's California or what base in California they're receiving their supply from and working with our offices in California and throughout the U.S. to further identify and further prosecute these people. And weren't some of these drugs coming from China too? They being manufactured over there? The precursors are coming from China into Mexico. Now the cartels of, well, we have some information that the cartels are now recruiting chemists in Mexico to produce their own precursors to kind of cut off the Chinese. So it's a large enterprise that these two cartels, now they're the Sinaloa cartel and the cartel de Jalisco New Generation, the biggest cartels in the world, are both out of Mexico. And these are the ones pushing the fentanyl, whether it's in heroin and cocaine or in pill forms, whether blue or, or colored. Now. Some people here, whether they're prescribed by their doctors, they might not know they're getting a fake pill, fake Oxycontin, or a fake Percocet. 
They just want to, you know, relieve their pain. But if they get it from the street, one pill can kill because that pill can be laced with fentanyl. So even unwitting or unknowingly, you're killing. And then what about the recent cases where we've had the deaths and the arrests? I mean, I know some of that's still working its way through the legal system, but, you know, it's kind of scary. The first responders, we're, DEA is bringing in training. It's another way that DEA is helping the community understand fighting this, is to train our first responders. We're in partnership with the Honolulu Police Department, Maui Police Department, Kauai Police Department, Hawaii Police Department, Sheriff's Department. We are all-inclusive on this. We Obviously, we need everybody on board. And we have everybody on board. We, are, we appreciate everybody's partnership with our locals. They are paramount in this fight because they know the streets. They know, you know, where the criminals hang out. And, and as DEA, we need that support. So first responders training. We have another training coming up in January for overall how to target these criminals from the bottom up and top down. Get educated on fentanyl and what it is and what the dangers it poses to your family your kids, one pill can kill. Get it out of your house if you have used up medicine. But be aware, I mean, if you see anybody that could be going through an overdose, there are signs to that, whether clammy skin, difficulty breathing. There's ways to help that, and that's through Narcan. Narcan is a, it reverses the effects of fentanyl, and you can, you can go through HHHRC, which is Hawaii Health and Harm Reduction Center, to gather information on Narcan, how you can obtain it. And also go to dea.gov slash one pill. That gives you more information of the fentanyl and how, you know, how severe it is affecting our communities. Just be aware and get informed. We did pass a parental guide that tells you, you know, what is fentanyl, 50 times stronger, more stronger than heroin, 100 times stronger than morphine. You know, how your kids in high school are getting exposed to it, you know, through these emojis. Mm. They're using emojis to kind of push it to the kids. Again, if you have a cell phone, criminals have access to you. So the biggest thing is to talk to your kids at home, you know, who their friends are, or just be aware. Hey, don't take any pills from anybody if it's not prescribed by your doctor or you didn't get it from a pharmacy. Okay, and again, if there are any schools out there that want to focus on this as a preventative measure, they can just contact the DEA and me folks will go out to their school? Yeah, we'll, we'll schedule whoever works for them, and we're happy to do it. All right. We have tons of information for that. All right, well, thank you so much. Thank you. That was a rebroadcast of our interview with Victor Vasquez, DEA Assistant Special Agent in Charge of the Pacific Region. That interview originally aired on November 1st, brought you multiple perspectives on a topic we all want more of, but don't get enough of, sleep. The Back to School Jam isn't just about traffic on the road, but the jam up in your sleep schedule, too. There's been times I would do an assignment that maybe three in the morning I'm finished, and I can't even remember what happens throughout that day. He's not alone. According to the CDC, Hawaii is the most sleep-deprived state in the country. So there's no such thing as getting used to insufficient sleep. We instead accumulate what's called sleep debt over days, weeks, months, years, and the impact of that can be really significant. So it's actually a pretty interesting research study at the University of Pittsburgh. The uh, participants in the study who slept less than six hours a night were four times more likely to catch a cold. Okay, that's compelling. Support news coverage at HPR. Donate today at hawaiipublicradio.org.
The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently released data on overdose deaths in the U.S. from the first half of this year. The data suggests deaths are declining, but many experts are urging caution. Statistics from 2021 show there were 48 overdose deaths in our state. 22 were on Kauai, with nine attributed to fentanyl. So what starts people, especially our youth, down this path of addiction? What are the red flags for people who are abusing fentanyl or other illicit drugs? Here's a rebroadcast of an interview the Conversations Russell Subiono did with Aaron Hoff. Hoff's a recovering drug addict who's been clean and sober for the last 25 years. He founded the Keala Foundation on Kauai, which focuses on educating youth about the dangers of substance abuse. You have all these headlines recently about pills laced with fentanyl, the DEA warning parents about brightly colored fentanyl pills meant to target our youth. What's new? What what have you guys been seeing? Well, it's still still... A lot of overdoses, there's a lot of them. A lot of suicides too, we've been having a lot of those. And it's all, it's all pertain, it's all the same, all that stuff comes from mental health, you know, just yeah. using it. But yeah, there's there's a lot of overdoses happening. And it's just, no, no, it's it's totally kept quiet here. Why, I, mean, why? I have friends that are in the ER and I have friends that are, you know, in the in the lifeguard business and they, they're all in tune to what's happening. And it's it's happening all the time. It's just all under the radar. Nobody talks about it. Suicides are happening. Nobody talks about it. It's just quiet, which is a bad part. Where do you think it's that way? I have no idea, really. Maybe the tourist industry, uh-huh. nobody wants to bring that out. They just want to keep this beautiful Hawaii. It could be the lo- lo- a lot of local families. Just, they just don't want to. It's hard to deal with. I just had a nephew who passed away two years ago, and it's the same thing. You know, when it happens, you don't want it to be broadcasted, you mm-hmm. know? there's a lot of pain involved with it. And there's just so many different factors going on. But still on the other end of it, you know, there's no rehab facilities for kids over here. There's no detoxes on the island. There's there's just there's absolutely no resources on Kauai. They called me the other day. I had to buy somebody a plane ticket to Oahu just to go get detoxed. I mean, they just flew over there and walked into an ER. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's basically our 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 option, you know. I'm if you want help. This is what you need to do. If you want to get detoxed or whatever, you got to do this. You're pretty much sending over somebody who's all messed up on a plane to walk into an ER over there because there's nothing over here. With all of these things that are happening, even statewide, when we look at the overdoses, the use of fentanyl and other illicit drugs on Kauai and across the state, what can parents do? Like, what are the red flags for somebody who is using? Here's the thing that plays against, so like, the biggest factor in our society, especially on Kauai and on, on the islands, is, you know, a lot of people say the gateway drug is marijuana and alcohol. And people justify marijuana is okay, alcohol is legal, and this and that. But what they don't understand is, like, the, the gateway to drugs is the household. It's, it's, it's If you're a parent and you're drinking or smoking weed or whatever you're doing in front of your kids, you just gave those kids a 100% chance of being able to pick up and use. They're going to copy what they see and, and their family members, their uncles, their aunties. It's so normalized that it's it's okay. You know, we, we connect fun as being able to drink and this stuff and you're going to, you know what I mean? It's So that's the trap already. And that's already hard to change. Stepping into those environments are a lot easier because we're being raised up in that environment to be able to use. And that's a, And that's a hard fact. You know, that's a really hard fact. And a lot of people can't, digest it because they want to be able to, to do it. You know, life's not easy and our struggles are hard and it's nice to be able to drink something and take the edge off. Mm-hmm. So like for me, the foundation that I've created, the Kiala Foundation, I go way upstream and get these kids when they're young and I teach them all about this stuff. I teach them all about prevention, what it is, that you know, that, so that when they're in that environment, they're actually educated enough to know like what that environment is and what's actually going on. So that when the opportunity comes up for them to have a drink or a hit off a joint, which it will come, they can make an educated choice. When your parents are drinking or smoking, that's almost tacit approval that it's okay. You're co-signing. Yeah. And then when you do go upstream and you, you are able to get with these kids and educate them when you're interacting with them, are there any telltale signs that they're using? Are there things that you know to look for? Yeah. So what it is, is, so there's a saying, like when you're, when you try to get sober in AA or you go in one of those programs, when you get 
and you're already older down the road. When you go into there to an AA meeting, you're going to become educated and it'll, it'll ruin your drinking for the rest of your life. You'll never be able to drink the same because you'll know the truth. So with us, I ruined their ability to drink and use at a young age. So they're educated. They're just as educated as the drunk who walks into an AA meeting. And so what happens is most kids, you know, I would love to say they come to our program and they're sober for the rest of their life and they become successful. But our environment is so saturated in, in that stuff that they're going to get touched by it. I don't care who, how good or whatever's, they're going to be exposed to those environments because it's a small island, everything's condensed, and the whole, you know what I mean? It's just the way it is. So we educate them and tell, tell scientists what happens is they stop coming around things. And you can see it. They'll stop coming around healthy things and environments and start going, wanting to go out. And they'll start to, you know, that's the telltale signs that they stop being transparent. You'll use, they start to detach from your life. And kids naturally, as they get older, they push their parents away because they're starting to, like birds, when they get, they fly out of the nest. It's the same thing. They start to get pushed away. But the thing is, when they're younger, if you want to get them attached or introduced into an environment like ours, which is healthy, so that when they do detach, they're, they're, they're going away to an, and they're lashing onto an environment like the Keala Foundation. And then when they're there, they're being carried through the deadliest years of their lives. Kids are using it eight to nine years old now. So that from that age to they become seniors, we walk with them and give them opportunities and all the things that, to have a successful life. And we also teach them about how to process trauma and all of these types of things. And then what happens is they learn how to process these traumas and naturally becomes a working part. So, you know what I mean? They start to build a toolkit and then when they learn to process these traumas and not stuff them, they don't start to develop like mild depression and all this stuff because they're, they're getting rid of all the things that no normal people stuff. If kids don't have that outlet, they stuff it and then they start to not feel good in themselves. And then that's why there's suicide and all that. And then they'll be around an environment one day and they'll take a hit off a joint. And then, man, wow, they feel so good. And then right there, that's the beginning of addiction. They go, oh, I know how to make myself feel good now. So yeah, it's hard times right now. The drug problem is not going away. It's only getting worse. And my biggest thing is if we're not there upstream catching these kids early and creating these environments, unless those kids have that, they're, they're doomed. It's, it's an endless cycle. And it's just, you know. And when you talk about taking preventative measures, one of the things that have popped up in, in discussions lately, there have been people calling for Narcan to be available in classrooms so, yeah, I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I'm, I support that because it's going to happen, you know. A lot of the drugs people are taking, they don't even know what's in it. And it happens. It's happening everywhere. I've, I've had friends being Narcan several times in the past week. It's a regular thing. It's, it goes hand in hand with drug using now. It's almost like normal. You got to have your Narcan. But somebody giving a kid dying a, a Narcan that doesn't know what he's doing is better than nobody trying. Quay residents have to wait until next August for Grove Farm, the adolescent treatment center that was supposed to have already opened. It won't open until next August. So in the meantime, you know, if somebody's addicted, if somebody wants to get help for someone who is addicted, is there somewhere to go on Kauai or, or do they have to come to Oahu? So we just opened a intervention camp for kids. So we have one already that's running over here. And now we're opening up January, we're doing it's another 30 day program from kids 12 to 18 boys, and they can go on to the Kiala Foundation and look up on the intervention program and apply. So, if parents need it, they can go there and they can apply. And then we have intake specialists, we have all that set up so that the kids can go in there and have an opportunity to do that. And I, our stuff doesn't come with red tape, so we move quick. And I hope, hopefully, after this one, we'll get it going. And by the end of next year and we'll, we'll be moving full speed ahead so i'm what's taking those guys years to not get done we're getting it done it's being done already through the community you know and it's just been my philosophy and we've been able to get in front of hundreds if not thousands of kids and families the foundation's been six years now i've been doing it for 10 years so i've actually been doing this for 25 years working with kids and my house has been like a halfway house so there's been tons of kids that have come through and they got their lives back. You know, families got their kids back. But then there's been a tons of kids that haven't, you know, but at least we're that, that's available now. 
So if anybody needs that, just go to the Kiala Foundation. And then hopefully with Grove Farm, I've been talking with them a little bit. Hopefully they get they get that thing moving quick. I'm a big supporter of getting something going. I really appreciate your time, Aaron. Thanks for talking to me. You have a good one too, man. That was a rebroadcast of an interview HPR's Russell Subiano did with the Kiala Foundation's Aaron Huff. It originally aired on November 23, 2022. They were talking about efforts to curb substance abuse amongst youth on Kauai. We'll have links to more information about the Foundation's programs on the conversation page of our website, hawaiipublicradio.org, later today. That wraps it up for us today. Our program is produced by Savannah Harriman-Pote, Russell Subiono, Lillian Song, and Stephanie Hahn. The Backyard Quiz theme written for us by John DeMello, and our theme music was courtesy of Gypsy 808. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us on Monday. Pick up the conversation.